It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Blue Chew. Get excited for your ad break from Joe, personally delivered, later on in the episode. And if you need help getting excited, well, you should listen to the ad. We're also available on the Himalaya podcast app, the Google podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, other places on the internet. Today, however... We have a special guest from EA Sports. Is it EA Sports anymore? Maybe I got that wrong. I'll let him introduce himself. He works for Madden and is one of the two people that rates your favorite players and also your least favorite players because it's all the players. (laughs) Hi, I'm Andre Weingarten. Yes, it is EA Sports. I am a Madden ratings adjuster and I'm an associate gameplay and franchise designer on Madden NFL football. I think this was my dream job when I was 15. <laughs> was that uh, for you? No, not really. I I somehow ended up <laughs> working here without really ever believing I was going to. Really? It's, so, I mean, yeah. did you start off as, as, you know, in like I'm going into gaming or was it more of the football side? It was the football side. I, uh, I had done a YouTube channel starting in 2010. And I transitioned to sports full-time basically in 2011 on it. And I became a game changer for them, basically a consultant for for Madden uh, back in 2016. I'd already been doing it for MLB The Show a little bit prior to that. And um, I basically approached the community manager, said, hey, I already do this with MLB The Show. I love your game. I've been playing it for the past, you know, 14 years. I was wondering if I could potentially provide feedback to you guys as well. Fast forward two years, I get offered a position and at first, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And then I thought it through a little bit more. I accepted. I moved down to Florida. And here I am. I'm, I'm a sports management major. So sports has always been the, the goal. Football has been the goal. And, and here I am. That sounds fun. And, and the community manager, is that Kralo? Am I getting that, that is, right? That is Kralo now. Um, it, at the time, it was Andrew Johnson. I'm up on who, my Madden people who matter. I see you. <laughs> Yeah, dropping so names. What's, so what's that like then? Like, what's the process? Where does it start from going from get like Madden 19 to Madden 20? Where do you start going from leaving that roster where it was to starting a new one? 
Um, usually it's around the Super Bowl time. That's our last update on the season for the main game. Uh, Madden Ultimate Team carries throughout the year. But for the main roster, that's the last time that we update. And from there, we basically uh, roll over to our next year's database, and then we start making changes. We start uh, evaluating guys. We do our speed regression that we do every year. Basically, guys who are getting older, we we lower their speed or evaluate every single player's speed, acceleration, agility, jumping, strength. Um, so we go through all 3,000 players at that point. That's a three-week process or so. Uh, and then we reevaluate all the ratings. And this year, we did a rating stretch for the first time in a long time, uh, which also took about a, another two to three weeks. And, and what's what, what the does rating... a rating stretch mean? Yeah. Okay, so a rating stretch, we raised the ceiling that we used for each individual attribute and lowered the floor for each individual attribute to help separate out players better. We had clumps together in a lot of spaces, and we really wanted to get the elite-level guys to stand out from the rest of the pack, the really good players to stand out from the good, etc., etc. So we separated out them in essentially tiers across the board. We went through every single attribute, for every position across the game. We also adjusted our overall formulas a little bit and really made it an impactful difference for for this year in comparison to last season. That was going to be my follow-up then. Do you feel the difference in the game? Like a guy that, when you get Tyreek Hill the ball, does he feel faster? Does he feel more agile? Does he feel different than the guy across from him? Oh, well, yes. Tyreek specifically, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek's a cheat code. Yes, basically he is. Uh, we didn't necessarily stretch the physical ratings because those are still inherently them. But right. the things that are evaluations of skills is what we really separated out. So, you know, things man coverage, um, even even throw power a little bit. We reevaluated that system in terms with uh, some gameplay changes we made. But um, all the ball carrier moves, things like that. Um, those were the big stretches. But, yes, they do feel like themselves. Um, one of the big ones, as a comparison, Mitchell Schwartz uh, is a 95 pass block this year. Mm-hmm. The highest that we had for a right tackle and pass block last season was an 88. Wow. So so we really we stretched the top for those guys, and then we moved everybody down. I think the lowest we had was maybe a 60, 65, 66 for, uh, for pass block. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. 65, 66 for pass block. And then this year, I think it's about 55. Okay. So so really shifting those guys down, separating guys out. So you're going to feel that difference in the game then. That guy's going to get beat. I mean, what's a 10-point difference on a 65 to a 55? How, do you ever check, like, the frequency of, okay, now this guy's getting beat instead of once every 10 snaps. He's getting beat once every 8 snaps. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still tied to the uh, – to the – uh, to the difficulty level you're playing on, right? All Madden right. is going to be a little bit more in favor of the CPU than maybe All Pro. But it's really the distance between one, the, the blocker's ratings and the guy across from him. So sure. if you have a guy who's a 10-point difference, it's going to feel very different now than it would have, uh, you know, let's say a 55 versus a 67. Power move, for example, would feel very different than if it was a 63. So by separating it out, you have wider variance in those matchups. So, so you could have guys who could really do damage. Like a J.J. Watt might now be 20 points better than somebody instead of him being maybe 15 or 10, and that totally changes the dynamic. Right. So I, I played a little bit of Madden Ultimate Team last year, and people talked about these thresholds 
Are you in a position where you're allowed to confirm or deny the existence of such thresholds? I am not. That is a that is a gameplay question. While I do work with them, I am not aware of any of them. I know that we we worked on making it more gradual slopes than anything like that. Uh, I will say though, if we're going to talk about anything involving, you know, animations and things like that, it's usually the gap between the interactions. So, ninety power move versus an eighty pass block. It's really that gap. Okay, general. so even if it looks like it's a weird animation sometimes, that's actually just a player rating playing itself out in a way that maybe maybe sometimes looks a little awkward. Am I understanding that right? In, in some interactions, yeah. I can't speak for all of them because we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of animations right, of in, our, in our database. But yeah, for the most part, that's how it works. It's, uh, it's a lot of interaction-based. You know, ball carry moves, the, the fluidity of maybe the animation might be different based on certain criteria. But we also now do do other things with that. So, so going back to the process then a little bit. Yes. Uh, so now, say we're you, you've done that, or you're in the process of going over 300 or so players, and then now you also have to keep an eye on the rookies, right? And the, this incoming class, how yeah. do you ac- how do you feel you accurately grade them or uh, project them versus an NFL player? Like you can watch, let's say Dalton Reisner, right? Let's stay with right yeah. tackles or, or so, and you say, okay, really good pass block efficiency in college how do i say that a guy that was like a 98 percentile uh in college how do you feel comfortable putting a number on him without seeing him against nfl players uh usually we like to base it off of their best film against high level competition right so if we have games against power five schools that's always going to take more value and you you want the high power five schools you know games against clemson or alabama or schools like that because those are guys who are most likely also going to be going to the nfl they're the cream of the crop Uh, but we really want to make rookies earn it this year. So as a whole, the rookie class was a lot lower than in years past. Uh, Kyler Murray came in as a 73, which was the 32nd best quarterback in the league, while Baker Mayfield last year came, I think, at like the 19th best. And while Baker might still have ended up better than Kyler did rank-wise, it was that fundamental shift down for overall rookies that we want to make these guys earn it across the board. And, uh, I mean, we go through every single... We go through all of their film uh, for these guys. I mean, we, we were studying high school film for guys like Titus Howard to see what they were like mm-hmm. as passers, uh, because obviously he was a quarterback in high school, yep. which is which is crazy. Uh, but I mean, he looked massive, absolutely massive, six five, like two twenty. Was Andy Reid in that punt, pass, and kick competition? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, we we went back, we went through as much film as we could. I think between Dustin and myself. Dustin being the head ratings adjuster um, and, and also a producer, we spent about 5,000-ish hours studying rookie film over about three months. Jesus. So, that I mean, sounds like a blast. <laughs> it was a good time. It was definitely a good time. It's a lot of players, and but you know we, we put the TLC in to really make sure that we feel comfortable with where they are and where they rank both amongst the rookies and amongst the rest of the league because that's really what matters to us. Do you allow outside influence to help you or, or influence you? Uh, you know, other people, let's say draft Knicks, they're all over on the Internet. And if they say, I really like this guy, they may show a clip or film to support it. Um, it may be like PFS analytics or other or other sites. Do you allow that to say, OK, yes, maybe I'll go take another look at this guy. Maybe we're a little too low. Or when you're maybe arguing for something with your partner that you say, no, I think he should be a little bit higher because of this. 
Oh, absolutely. We, we use as many resources as we can because we're not perfect. We miss some things. You know, maybe we see one, one play and we interpret it one way. And then someone mm-hmm. with more context says, actually, it was this. Um, Deontay Thompson had a play against, I believe it was Clemson, where it looked like they were playing cover four and he got beat over the top. And then, you know, people are like, yeah, he didn't really have a good game against Clemson. And then you go back and watch it and you see that Savion Smith totally fell down. He had to crash down. And, you know, it, it totally changes everything about the way that you view that player. So sometimes that additional context, we might miss it. Or, you know, a coach will even say something like, yeah, this is what happened. Um, you know, senior bowl footage, scouting reports, we'll read all of them as we're analyzing. My personal process is I like to watch film kind of come to a conclusion and then read scouting reports and see how I differ from them. Yeah. And if they're and if it really is standing out, I'll go back and say, well, he's seeing it this way. Why is that? And then if they reference games, I'll go back and watch those specifically. Um, but we try to use as many resources as possible because it's a lot of players. Uh, we ended up, I think, 380 players, rookies this year, including undrafted guys. It, some, somewhere in there, it was, it was a lot of guys. And that's not even all of them, right? Because there's got to be a point where you cut off. Like I was just looking, and for example, it doesn't look like we have Jake Dolagala, who's the Bengals' fourth quarterback and undrafted guy out of Central Connecticut State. Who... I watched. I watched his film. You did watch his film. I did. I watched a nice rainy game of uh, Jake Dolagala with Central Connecticut State technology. It was a, <laughs> it was an experience. I, I tried to watch a couple of games too after they signed him because we kind of had an inkling it was coming because of a yeah. connection to Zach Taylor via family. Um, oh, I had no idea. That's that's really interesting. I know he was one of two quarterbacks that they actually brought in. The only interviews. two they they yeah. brought in were drafted and signed. Yeah. Yeah, but they, and, and he's a big dude, too. He's, oh, he's yeah. a giant. But they brought him in because Mike Sherman mm-hmm. went to Central Connecticut State <laughs> and told his son-in-law, right? Am I getting this right, Joe? Zach Taylor, yeah. <laughs> you got to go check out this kid. And so they went and checked out the kid, and they signed him. He was going to go and to that, Indianapolis, though, and then Indianapolis, I think, pulled the deal or something. Interesting. That uh, He seems like one of those guys who's a true sleeper, really under the radar until the last until the 11th hour. Um, I, I know uh, Jim Nagy and company were talking about what a true sleeper is in the NFL these days, that there aren't many of them. I think they referenced Jay Liggins, who signed with the Eagles. I think Dolagala was one of them. Uh, so, I mean, because everyone's on radars at, up until that point, if, they're, if they show NFL traits, but quarterbacks are a little bit different from small schools. But being 6'7", you know, he's, he's a massive guy. Our cutoff, though, is 74 on rosters that we can get up to. Uh, can the roster hold 80 it cannot it can it can in game it cannot on the database side gotcha right yes so it's 74 and then we leave room for if you create a my player to make it 75 i was gonna say because i normally like to do there's normally one or two guys that are either cut like clint bowling is now retired so like when you get the launch game if you know if you don't download the roster right away uh there's usually room to cut a couple guys and create some guys that are probably making buzz in camp or preseason yep and and any of those guys will will definitely make them and put them on the team anyone who makes the team is always in game right um we have some some legal issues that prevent us from making some guys at some points before then but for the most part, we try to get as many guys as possible. Uh, pick the guys who we think are most likely to make the team. You know, position weaknesses, position battles, things that we hear. Um, because we have until around like June 10th before our rosters lock initially. Gotcha. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Andre. We'll maybe get into the rookies a little bit. I'm sure we'll have some questions. Stick around. I know you will. This is probably the most exciting episode we've had in months. We'll be right back. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we are back again. This is my, uh, easily my, as Jake said, our most exciting episode in a while. But I'm having a great time with this conversation. Joined by Andre Weingarten from EA Sports. And... Andre, you talked about your process, and a lot of it sounds like it's film-based, which excites me. I want to know what quality, what type of film do you get, and is it like all access to whatever you need? Um, For the most part, this year we were very fortunate. We ended up with uh, All-22 film for pretty much every school that you could imagine, um, including film on Dolagala from Central Connecticut State. Um, sometimes we had film that we didn't even have broadcast film. We only had all 22 film from some of these smaller schools. Uh, but being able to see it from multiple angles has been such a, a treat because we also, we, we, you know, we have like Xbox controller connectivity and stuff like that. So we're, we're really back and forth, really able to do it like a, like a coach would with a clicker. So, yeah, you've got to be real efficient, man. I imagine I would be if I can control with my Xbox. Oh, yeah. Just left stick, right stick, fast so, rewind. One more then. Are you an Xbox uh, dominant player or do you more or do you go back and forth between PlayStation and others? I go back and forth. I'm, I play most of my games on PlayStation. I still have my Xbox 360 with me. I'll play Xbox at work. Um, but, you know, we, we uh, I, I basically go back and forth. Man, okay. how about that sentence, huh? I sometimes what? play Xbox at work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like n- number 10 on the 10 coolest things he's already said he does at work. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. It's just like, yeah, go to work, you know, watch some All-22 on Jake Dolgala from Central Connecticut State, and then I throw on the Xbox and knock out a few games. Do you get a chance to play other games? Not at work, but, I mean, I- even in life. Yeah, I mean, I, I work a lot, but I uh, I do have a nice collection of games. I, I still play NCAA 14. Um, I played of plenty of, I play Call of Duty every year. Um, I played Fortnite a little like a year ago. Um, don't have a ton of time for like story games. I, I do have Red Dead Redemption too. Um, I've gotten maybe like twenty five percent through it. But, fantastic game. Yeah, oh, it, it's fantastic. It's just it's it's daunting for someone who didn't yeah. play the first one. I knew how great it was. It was really a great opportunity. But um, Detroit Become Human, I beat that. But I mean, I use a lot of games to. Uh, to help me with like research ideas, you know, uh-huh. controller functionality, uh, design ideas. I look at them a very different way now than I did even a year ago before I started working here. And you said you're part of mocap and capturing, uh, you know, movement. Uh, I don't, I don't go to the mocap events, at least not yet, but I do get like reference capture. Uh, so, okay. you know, if, if we're looking for different cadences, different things like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, like there was a quarterback who I'm not going to name a name because I don't want it out there in case, you know, 
teams are listening to this um, <laughs> about about his cadence. But um, when he would do a fake cadence, he would lean further forward from the shotgun, and his voice would deepen dramatically before he even did the bark call. So, and then when he would actually take the snap, he would be standing more upright. So his elbows flared out more, he leaned forward more. And that was one of the things that we would notice and that we needed to capture for something like his cadence. So I, you, are you able to capture that? Sorry, Jack, yeah. I'm going to cut you Oh, off. absolutely. If we, if we wanted to, yeah. I have guesses about on, who that is. Uh, you can guess. If, if you get it right, I may say nothing but if you guess wrong i'll tell you i would say cam newton i was gonna say no. cam newton too it's not really? cam. It's not cam that's funny I can that we both him, went to cam right newton. i can just envision him being more nonchalant about it and also with his arms wide as he you know yeah for the, the, the elbows yeah, out guess. thing yeah exactly. the lean and over but, thing yeah but i mean you know it's uh not it was just one of those things that I noticed, and I was like, "Did you guys know about this?" And I showed it to some of our animators. Like, we've never seen something like this that we've that we've captured at least. So, you know, we got the reference. I don't know if we ended up getting it into the game, but it's something that if we wanted to, we could always go after it. That's pretty cool. That's a cool thing to notice, generally speaking. Right. You know, when you're watching a guy repeatedly trying to see all of their fidgets and pre-snap movement. Yeah. You wouldn't notice it normally. But when you're going through every single pass play to try to find that, to find stuff like that, it, it becomes a little bit more obvious. I, I know what you mean, because I used to do player participation for Pro Football Focus. So I would start watching oh, I, things like what color are his cleats or what ankle wraps does he have? And are they black while the other guy has white socks going on? And like, is, oh, he, yeah. is he wearing wristbands? Can I see any tattoos? Because a yep. lot of these guys looking from the side and sometimes oh, yeah. in TV coverage when you get about... Uh, negative one second from the snap they start they cut to the play after the snap is very hard to see who lined up where oh i I, i'm right there with you especially when you're studying guys in the secondary Mm -hmm. on all 22 from some of these schools that are panned all the way back you got to find every single tell you can find yeah so i used to do that with madden though also when before when uh ross was really updating constantly i would so this is like 2010 11 12 in that range right um (laughs) and i would just put the game on and go to edit rosters, go through every single player on the Bengals and get their sleeves right or get their visor right or their gloves correct or, or the tape yep. on their ankles, whatever it was. I would spend hours doing that. And now you don't need to because Dustin, awesome. who is also the equipment guru, is phenomenal with that stuff. When it comes to equipment, he has like a photographic memory. It, it's it's unbelievable. He can reference guys from like the 90s that he watched growing up and he could tell me – he could tell you the exact helmet and face mask that he wore. It's That's It's crazy. ridiculous. He's perfect for the job, then. Got the right <laughs> job, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm the data side. He's the equipment guy, and he obviously does a lot of ratings as well. But I do a lot of the research in, in that pairing. So I'm kind of his assistant in that role. He runs the equipment side, and then we split the ratings. So can we switch the conversation to talk about Bengals ratings for a few minutes here? Because we are, of course, a Bengals podcast. Absolutely. I'm fine with that. So, Joe, do you have questions about specific guys, or is it just me? No, I was going to go generic first and then get specific, if if you want me to take the first one. Okay, go generic first. First, I, I think this is um, the most accurate I've ever felt for a a, a launch ratings for, for the Bengals. Um, normally, I, I have a, <laughs> a few issues, or maybe just a couple, or and then they, I'm, t- I'm speaking from an overall standpoint. I, I can always get nitpicky, I think, when you go to each attribute. And uh, yeah. get in there, which anyone can, right? But yeah. um, 
But just looking, I've got like the top five offense, top five defense there. Top five offense is A.J. Green at a 90, Joe Mixon at an 88, Tyler Eifert at an 88, Tyler Boyd at an 83, Andy Dalton at an 80. I would uh, completely agree that those are their best five offensive players. And then Gio Bernard is a 79, so right there with Dalton, if you wanted to, uh, if someone wanted to swap those two, I would completely understand it. So that's, I think that's nailed right in the area of where I'd put them. Um, and then defense, Geno Atkins at a 91, William Jackson at an 84, Dunlap at an 82, Lawson at an 81, which I was very happy to see rated up there based on really only playing, what, 260 snaps last year and then being hurt. Yeah. And then Jesse Bates being 81 also. I think, that, again, those are the top five players on the defense. Man, I'm, I was so sad to see Carl Lawson go down. I was ready. We, we were We were so ready to be like, okay, this dude's dominating. He needs more snaps. He's about to shoot up, and then he gets hurt. So we we see big things in his future, but it, it pains us to keep him only at an 81 because we know what he's capable of. We just need to yeah. see it first. Is there a potential rating somewhere here? Is that a thing anymore? Um, there's development trade in franchise. So okay. on the front end, uh, you know, play now and stuff like that, you're not going to see it. But in franchise, we do dish those out. Um, gotcha. Yeah. That leads to a follow-up then. For, in France, since you uh... – widen the scale a little bit of of the range for these players for their for the ratings yes is that reflected in franchise do you do you go up to the franchise guys and say hey we're doing this so a guy can't he can't go up nine points or eight points or seven points in this area in one offseason because that would and he would have to be a crazy year basically oh yeah absolutely um being someone who also works on franchise i'm kind of a bridge between the gameplay franchise and ratings teams so we did a lot of work in player progression, player regression, um, all sorts of those things. We, we realigned all the rookies to match the rookie ratings that we did this year. We realigned the contract system to take into account the new rating stretch. Uh, so yeah. someone like uh, Carson Wentz at an 83 is going to ask for the same contract that someone who was the tied for the 12th best quarterback in the game would have asked for last year, except uh. a more accurate number. So that's kind of how we 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 approached it. Um, and based on the contracts that are given out right now that every player has, those will in, influence the contract demands moving forward. Oh, that's so, cool. Speaking yeah. of contracts, how does a guy like Tyler Eifert, who is getting paid way less than an 88 overall tight end, might expect to make? How does that sort of thing factor in? Is it Does it look at his injury rating or whatever and, and take that into account? Uh, no, he's probably going to get paid like an 88. Um, you know, he'll still get injured, but when he's healthy, <laughs> we know how good he is, but it, it's really just relative to the position. That's not something that we were able to, uh, to factor in necessarily, because honestly, if you want to, you could always set the injury slider to zero and then you'll never get hurt. And then you have an 88 who's really good. You know, we can only project what they're going to do when they're on the field, um, for that sort of thing. But um, I personally, because we didn't have accurate contracts previously, I personally went through every single player in our game and gave them accurate contracts down to the year um, for base salary and guaranteed money. That was a that was a task. That had to have affected the franchise mode then, right? And trying to standard the cap. Oh yeah, um, we. So one of the areas that I personally found to be a big issue is that there's no rollover cap in our game. Ah. So a team like the Browns who were like $13 million over what the base salary cap was, we're still $40 million under because of their rollover. So we had to take that into account. So we gave about a $10 million cushion because previously free agency could get wild because no one was even close to hitting their salary cap because the, the contracts were so much lower. 
Uh, so now with accurate contracts, we had to raise the cap a little bit, give a little bit of a buffer, and then we give that extra buffer for a few extra years, and, and we work from there. I do appreciate moving toward a more accurate depiction of the way salaries and contracts work in the NFL. That, I think, is a welcome addition. I, yeah. I am such a big fan of them. I love studying the contracts and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it was a fun experience. You would like our other Andre that we've had on the podcast, Andre Perota, who's basically a Bengals contract cap expert. Ooh, yeah, I absolutely would. Two Andres in a pod. He's a lawyer. He's really into the contract law stuff. And the CBA and all that. But uh, <laughs> I was I was also going to ask a question about Eifert because he is an 88. And yes. and I defended it also. People ask me, how is he an 88? I'm like, well, he's healthy. He's fantastic. And I think he's rated as the sixth highest tight end. But when I looked at the tight end overalls, I felt like they were all very high or at least higher than expected. But And then I kind of stepped back and said, wow, these are a lot of good names on here. Is The, the tight end group in the NFL is really – on the verge or has it already done this in the last few years been on the you know really exploded into a very deep and talented unit i i definitely think they have grown a ton i think the position has become a lot more standardized you have those big move tight ends now you know guys who might have been kind of tweeners in the past i think jordan reed is a perfect example someone who just is not a great blocker but is so lethal as a mismatch whether it be against a linebacker or safety you definitely can't put a corner on him because he's so big even though he's not tall he's just he's broad you know he's 240 some odd pounds at 6'2 but the the only issue i have with the tight end position right now is the injuries i mean if you look at the guys who were at the top last year you had gronkowski greg olson jordan reed delaney walker tyler eifert all of these guys, I mean, Kelsey's obviously in there, as is Kittle now, but all of these guys suffered pretty significant injuries. So I think the way that we have them rated, it's unfortunate that the top guys have all suffered injuries. But when they're healthy, this is a golden age for the position. Um, and they're getting the usage that they definitely have not been getting in years past. So I think we do need to take a second break here. We're going long with Andre. It's going to be the whole episode. We'll be right back to talk some more Bengal specifics. Stick around. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, and we are back. Locked On Bengals Podcast again, joined by Andre Weingarten from EA Sports. And last question or last thing we talked about there was Tyler Eifert being an 88 overall and how that's basically... uh, when healthy, uh, you know, his ability. And, and when I look at that and I, and I try to apply it to other positions, man, I still feel like A.J. Green should be rated higher. And I, I, I look at it as a 90 overall, and he's their second highest player, which makes a lot of sense to me. But then when you rank him with the other wide receivers, I think he comes out as, yeah, number 12th wide receiver in the league. That's got to be the lowest his ranking's been in his career. And, and are we at that point? It's kind of scary if when I look at it this way and – Andre, how do you feel about A.J. Green? And do you think, uh, I mean, obviously you think he's accurately rated here. <laughs> so before I get to A.J. Green, 
talking about Eifert one more time, the issue that we have is that when he's on the field, he's really good, but he's missing time. AJ yeah. Green did not have the benefit of that doubt. He played injured. So we can only base it on the film that they're putting out there. We have to acknowledge that guys are hurt, but at the same time, we don't really know how much it's impacting them individually. Everyone sure. is injured in the NFL at some point, and we can't really make that estimation. So if their tape is out there and they're playing through it, it's a little unfair to them, but they are going to go down a little bit because they're not playing at their peak level. Eifert is missing the time. So we never actually get to see the drop-off in performance. A guy like him, if he comes back and he's not the same player, he'll drop fast. But we can't we we cannot project outside of maybe a slight nick in the physicals if it's something that could be impacted. Uh, we cannot project that they're going to be worse because it's not fair to them. And you had you said in segment one that uh, once a, a player hits a certain age, you start to automatically regress them, especially in speed and, and their physical attributes, right? Yeah, I, I got to imagine Green's hitting that already, right? Yes. I mean, maybe not as drastically as some other guys. I mean, sure. we, we're still not lowering Deshaun Jackson, right? He, he's right. definitely within our range. I think it's uh, been in the league five or six years. Usually we also tie it to the age. But, I mean, for A.J. Green, he's a little bit of a tick down in terms of his speed and acceleration. It's not an every year thing, but it's maybe an every other year thing, maybe a little bit more depending. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's definitely not a young guy anymore. He's He's the veteran in that receiving room. Um, and while he is still fantastic, you, you do see a few cracks in, in his armor. Um, you know, he's, he's suffered some injuries over his career and they're taking at least a little bit of a toll. I mean, he still has the attributes that you expect to see in AJ Green that he's very good at and he's still doing it at an elite level. I'm looking at his catch yep. in traffic, his spectacular catch, 96, 97. You're giving him a lot of credit for his his ability to go get the ball out of the air, and he's very good at it. So, I mean, th- that makes a lot of sense. Jump still in 96. Really what's fallen off for him, from what I can see here, is probably, like you said, just the speed and acceleration a little bit. Yep, and, and the catching is down a little bit. It's only a 90. I mean, only a 90. But, I mean, his route running is 92, 90, and 90. I <laughs> mean, If you go out there, especially with the Superstar X Factor abilities, I have him in a franchise right now. He is phenomenal to use. Um, you know, he's still going to play like AJ green, but he's just not rated as well as he has been years past because of that slight downtick. So he has a chance to prove, right. He also, he'll have a chance to prove if he comes out and he's better that he's better and you guys will, you'll adjust it. Absolutely. We're we're always watching. Right. That's, I just don't want to admit that there's a chance they're getting old. I know. Well, both of of them, Gino Atkins and AJ green, they're both you know, some of the oldest guys on the team at this point. Yeah. It's that's crazy. A, that's actually bringing up Geno Atkins. We got a couple questions there, but the one thing that always pains me when trying to compare. So I like, I didn't even put Atkins basically in here in the comparison with, uh, I had him as a fourth defensive tackle is where he's rated, but then I go and look and I, and I was like, Oh, there's three, four, four, three. The thing, whole thing gets confusing. How do you, I mean, like should Aaron Donald be listed as a defensive end or should it, are, is there a future where Madden switches to like defensive interior and then edge types? I will use the same response that Anthony white, who is our playbook guy, who is one of the, the brightest football minds. I know he said we, it's something that we definitely are looking into and we want to do it. Okay. It, it's just a matter of time and resources. Um, it's not a small task. So, we, we definitely are looking into it. But, I mean, Aaron Donald is technically a defensive end in a 3-4, attacking 3-4, right? He's still a 3-tech. 
It's just they play a 3-4 under front in Wade right. Phillips' defense, and it's just, yep. you know, that's the side that he lines up on. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that's really it. Um, it just yeah. makes it hard in franchise or when doing a fantasy draft, trying to incorporate him in your team. You got to edit him and move him over, which is not which you guys have made a a, a seamless process now. But it, you know, I remember back in the day that was a whole that was in some franchise modes you couldn't even do that. Oh yeah, no. It, it and for some leagues, people won't let you do it. Right. They uh, you cannot change positions. You cannot alter anything like that on guys. So it's, it's it's yeah. I, I agree. It's something that I definitely want as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think of Geno's rank among the DTs? Always, oh, yeah, that's fine with me. It's hard to, like I said, it's hard to push some of the uh, DNs in the DT and, re- and remember that Donald's supposed to be there. Kawan short, short, the guys like you know, like that. Um, yeah, I'm fine with him. He's a 91 overall. I think he's rated as their best player on the team. I still, I think that's factual. I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, I'm sure he's going to dominate a lot as a 91. Oh, yeah. And he has really good abilities, too. So, you know, really good power move abilities and stuff like that to really capture the essence of how good he is. And he's a monster. He's got that quick first step. He'll get across your face, although less so than in previous years, which I think is fairly reflected here. However, he only has a 10 juke move and 10 spin move. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Uh, Geno Atkins has only had one play in his NFL career where he was a ball carrier, from what I can find. Um, and that was all the way back in 2011. He Man. had a play where it was a, a a set of laterals that the Jaguars were trying to pull off, and he scooped it up on after a fumble on like the 11-yard line, and no one touched him, and he returned it for a touchdown. Um, it was like 11, 10, 11 yards. He returned it. <laughs> And he did technically shed a tackle at the end. Whoa. He didn't he needs juke. a boost. He didn't juke. He didn't stiff arm, but he broke through a tackle as he crossed the plane. I, I don't know if it was super clean, but still, I think that is at least warranted of going up a little bit. It's a note that I'll take, and we'll look into it. I so what is your database? His, his trucking move is a 30. So oh, it, that's maybe it it's is. reflected Had there. Had to be what have been. Okay, yeah, that, that might be it. So if you're able to pull that up pretty quickly, you're, this database has to be pretty extensive, right? Uh, the database is not actually. This was it is, but it's it's more of a spreadsheet format. It's kind of similar to Excel, but a fancier version of it. Okay. This this was just going in and just doing some quick research on it. Um, you know, because that that is my primary role. I do a ton of the research. You know, I've, I found a lot of the high right? school. Yeah, Pro Football Reference was a really quick, easy source. I pulled it up. Knew exactly the the year that I was looking for. Went on YouTube. You know, it's it's really just a matter of doing it quickly and doing it often that you kind of you figure out some of the tricks of the trade. Um, yeah. Was that game in Jacksonville? Does it say? It looks like it was. Do you remember that game, Jake? 2011. So they were rookies. AJ Green, Andy Dalton. Nope. Green had a touchdown on an out and an up up the seam. Was Blake Bortles a quarterback? No, that that was Blaine Gabbert's yeah. rookie year. That was yeah. oh, Blaine Gabbert. It was Blaine Gabbert's rookie year. I knew it was year. a That's... bad rookie quarterback. I couldn't remember which. I think Gabbert was the one who fumbled it. <laughs> they pitched Ultimately. it all the way back to him. Like they went all the way down the field, and then they came back, and they pitched it back to him. I think he fumbled. And Gino, <laughs> yeah. That's when they knew. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of defensive linemen, we've seen Carlos Dunlap stiff arm people before. That's another note that I would like you to take away from this podcast. His stiff arm's a ten. You know that's that seems I, low. 
it does seem low. He's had he's had nine bumper recoveries. Yeah, he's all over the ball. Oh, absolutely. If you guys have clips, we are always willing to change it. Yeah, if if there's if there is concrete evidence, you know, we'll we'll always accept it. We don't always change things because maybe we feel a guy's adequately rated. But in a case like this, you know, that or you know, guys played a position in high school that we didn't know about. Right. You know, right. some of these new position, new, new ratings came in. Dustin's been doing this since 2015. I've been doing this since the start of the uh, before the 2018 season. So there's a lot of players that, you know, 3000 guys that we have to go through that we might not have all of this information on and backtrack stuff like that. We're all for it. So what what's the at? Where do I send this on Twitter? Yeah. At Moonlight Swami. Moonlight Swami. Yes, sir. So you hear that, Bengals fans? Dig up your best clips of uh, Carlos Dunlap stiff arms. <laughs> he actually Moonlight also has Swami. two interceptions too. Two, yeah, exactly. Touchdowns. I, exactly when the stiff arms happen, I can and picture I, them. I feel like if there's a stat for batting passes at the line of scrimmage, he is the best at it in the NFL. I, over I, the last I, I years. wish there was. Is there? A, yeah, that I never thought about that. How do you? How does that get factored in? It doesn't really, unfortunately. It just we don't have a great way of handling that sort of thing. So imagine how frustrated you, imagine how frustrated coverage. you'd be as a player though, if you're trying to throw a pass against a computer and then Carlos Dunlap just bats it down to the line of scrimmage. That'd be awesome. They used to do that. They, they used to do that. I mean, I mean they, 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 they still can. They still can, but it's not like it's a a rating that determines the frequency. Otherwise guys like JJ Watt, Dunlap, Emmanuel Agba, they'd just be doing it all the time. Yeah, uh, it yeah. would be very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would, uh, I think I may have assumed this already that it must've been like zone coverage or something for defensive linemen that, you know, you may drop them in the zone once in a while on, on some fire blitzes, yeah. but uh, I just figured it was if they, you know, that may be an ax or something happens when they, you know, are, are at the line and want to jump to better pass. I mean, it would make sense, but no, it's not the way it works. Nah, we don't have anything for it right now. All right, so let's it's a talk, shame, I know. <laughs> let's talk rookies here. Okay. Actually, let's talk Christian Westerman first because he's rated down there with the rookies. There <laughs> is this thing on the internet on Bengals Twitter called the Christian Westerman Hive. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, <laughs> we're convinced that he's going to be the next Evan Mathis who's been stuck, buried on the depth chart, just like Evan Mathis was in Cincinnati. And actually, if you go watch his tape from the games he did play, he's been fairly great to occasionally dominant when he has been on the field, which I understand is very limited. But he comes in at a 59 overall. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the guys that we lowered in the stretch. We need to see him do it more. You know, he he's definitely done it a little bit, but... It's hard to justify raising him up until he's in a more prominent role. Um, unlike a guy like Ty Inseki, who really has done it for yeah. a long period of time and in a variety of roles. Um, you know, a guy that we want to, we want to raise personally is Forrest Lamp because we were super high on him coming out of college. And he's another guy who's been buried on the depth chart in Los Angeles. Um, we think he's better than some of the starters there, but he hasn't gotten that opportunity yet. So I, I totally feel for you on, on Westerman being a guy who could shoot up that board, we'll keep an eye on him. And you know what? With with all the turmoil that's gone on with Bowling's retirement and Jonah's injury, we might be seeing him. And if we do and he balls out, you you better believe he's going to shoot up, just like uh, uh, Austin Blythe did 
in Los Angeles last year for the Rams. I mean, he was a maybe a 60 somewhere in there and the end of the season around 84. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just came out of nowhere. All right. That's, that's what it's going to be. All of our hopes are pinned on Christian Westerman. I hope you understand this. All of them. I mean, I, I, I understand. Literally I understand. all of them. So you're not, you're not, uh, your hopes are not pinned on John Jerry and. Oh. <laughs> and he's not uh, even in the game right now. Is he a free agent? He's on your team. Oh, As right. in the next update, he will be. Uh, okay. I don't know if he's gotcha. um, John Jerry and uh, and John Miller. Do you know what his overall is offhand? I think it's sixty six. Okay, so it's in the range. Sixty six for John Jerry, a year out of football at thirty two. Oh, Jake's getting upset. I'm not upset. <laughs> I'm just shocked. Well, I mean, look at it though. Cordy Glenn's a seventy four. Okay, Billy Price seventy one. John Miller seventy. Bobby Hart sixty four. Um, I think those are all fair for, you know, definitely in the rating stretch. I went and looked where Hart is like the 36th ranked right tackle. Completely fair. Too high, high, maybe, yes. Uh, But then I I, I do think it'll be Christian Westerman getting first reps and first opportunities at left guard. And if the, you know, the the failsafe, I guess, is John Jerry's there in case they need him. I mean, in that case, then we're going to raise Westerman up if he beats out Jerry. I mean, obviously, we'll probably have to lower John Jerry because he lost that competition. But yeah. I think Westerman will definitely get a boost if he's named the starter. I so, think, I looked at this with Evan McPhillips from Pro Football Focus. He's he does the Cincinnati media stuff and also is okay. as a film analyst for them. And we looked at players that have been out of the league for yeah. various reasons and come back in their thirties at guard and continued to play well. And the most prominent example was Richie Incognito. Uh, I believe it. I mean, he was he was nearly an elite player when uh, he was out in Buffalo. So I mean, obviously for a, a lot of reasons. Yeah, this is a year I mean, in his early thirties, coming from the same Miami offensive line as John Jerry. Maybe John right. Jerry can be Richie Incognito two point oh. Yeah, I think you're asking for a lot, Jake. I'm asking for the moon, <laughs> Joe. Give it to me. <laughs> I want to talk about more rookies though, because Drew Sample is. Is he now their highest graded rookie without Jonah? And he, I mean, he was projected as like a day three guy. Yeah, he but is. they they liked him and they took him. How do you balance that afterwards? Is this like do you have them graded before they the draft, and then do you alter it based on where they go, the fit, and then maybe sometimes division once they're with that team? Um. So we do we do at least a little bit take into account where they went. Um. It, both in terms of round and it's and uh, what team, but for the most part, we we base them on where we think they should be going. You know, if a guy's been projected really high for a lot of the year and we really like his film, uh, a guy like Chauncey Gardner Johnson, mm-hmm. who fell for reasons that weren't necessarily talent related, um, from what we've we've heard, that's that's an example. You know, Jakai Polite, terrible testing numbers while injured, and and had a rough combine. But we love his film. So he comes out a little bit higher. And, you know, you have guys fall every year. Maurice Hurst last year. Um, we yeah. we rated him very highly despite being a fifth-round pick because, you know, the film is really what takes priority. And tight end as a whole comes out a little bit higher because of, of blocking and other things like that. Um, but, I mean, we, we like Sample. I think he's a good player. He's, he's well-rounded, good hands. You know, he's he's a, a solid tight end. I think he's definitely a a good fail safe if Eifert's not healthy. And yeah. Well, follow up to that then. How do you balance a play like a player like Jakai Polite 
has a terrible testing, but then you watch him, you're like, okay, he's definitely more athletic than this. I can see this. Yeah. Uh, in it, so obviously you're not gonna if, if a guy runs a four eight, you're not gonna say, well, I'm not. I'm gonna rate his speed similar to other guys that ran a four eight. I may lean on the film here and and go with our our gut or our eyes. Uh, we we prioritize the film in that situation. Okay. I think the I think the testing numbers just provide us with a floor. Um, sometimes it's a ceiling. <laughs> um, there are definitely players who will outkick their coverage in that area, but mm-hmm. in, in, for the most part, it just gives us a baseline number to give us a ballpark, and then it's all film based. So we have modifiers in our spreadsheets to handle stuff like that, but we put in all their testing numbers that we can, and and we try to build at least off of that. So for polite, obviously he didn't test well. Um, in general, I mean, I think the best example would be someone like uh, Devin Singletary, who definitely did not test well at the combine. But even his positional drills at the combine were exceptional. I mean, yeah. you see the change of direction. You see just how much of a jitterbug he is. And you watch his film, and he's doing the same thing on film, the turn rates, how effortless it is. And I'm like, okay, we kind of have to throw this out a little bit. Yeah, it's like Jameson Crowder a few years ago was was a similar way. You like, I just got to take the leap of faith that this guy is actually what he's what he's showing on film. Yeah, Cole Beasley too. I mean, yes. there are a lot of guys like that who just did not test well, and you know that they're better than that. You know, they. I think one of the big things for the combine is that you have no idea what circumstances are leading up to that. Uh, Tony Pollard was a great example. He had food poisoning at the combine, mm-hmm. so he didn't run as well. I mean, these guys are exhausted. It's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. It, their testing comes after you know a couple of days of getting poked and prodded and being measured and interviewed and all sorts of stuff. And then they go back to their pro days and they're testing and it's a very safe home environment. They know exactly what they're going to be doing. It's a very different feel. And yes, they will get the benefit of the doubt on, on the stopwatch. But I think a lot of things come into play in that situation where the combine might not be as flattering. Some guys handle it, but... You never know. Someone's nursing an injury. Someone didn't get a good night's sleep the night before, et cetera. All right, Andre, one last question from me. Um, what's different about Madden this year? What's the feature that gets you excited? Really, what can you sell us on for Madden 20? Uh, the biggest thing for me is the superstar and X-Factor abilities. Those are the things that on top of the rating stretch will really help define who are the best players in the league and what they do best are represented throughout. Um, someone like A.J. Green, his superstar X-Factor ability, I believe, is called double knee, where if he has a single uh, single coverage and when he's in the zone, he is going to pull down aggressive catches. It'll take two players to bring him down. There are various trigger conditions for each one of them, so you have to work your way into the zone. There's uh, there's cooldowns, so if you don't target a guy in those types of situations for X amount of time, they'll go out of the zone. We have them across the board. I think we ended up with 76, 78 players across the NFL, um, 50 X-Factors, and then 26 more with abilities, and we had 10 rookies who have abilities, we are not disclosing which ones they are, those have hidden development traits. Hmm. So that's that's the last thing. We added hidden development traits this year. So if a guy comes in with star, superstar, or X-factor development trait, you will have to play a certain number of snaps with them to find out what their actual dev trait is. And if they are a superstar or X-factor, they will come in with abilities. There are 10 of them. Is, cool. is that yeah that is is that something that will carry on into future draft classes yes every single draft class wow. every time you draft someone with one of that is not a normal dev trait you will have to see if you found a diamond in the rough that sounds like a blast actually 
So are those are those visible right now? I could go in and look at the Bengals players with X Factor superstar abilities. Yep, we have a bunch of guides in our game that uh, they're they're everywhere to show you exactly what players have abilities, exactly what the abilities do. There's trigger conditions on the screen in game. We do a lot of different things to help display that. We even have a a superstar X Factor guide that you can go through every single player that has abilities in our game and little quotes from the Madden ratings adjusters about what makes them special. Uh, so I, I want to trigger these things and just hear, he's on fire, and then I can hit like anything from anywhere, right? <laughs> For some guys, you, you're not going to hear that necessarily, oh. but you know, there, there are definitely guys who are going to have abilities like that. You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers has some really crazy abilities. Um, you know, a lot of these guys really have top-of-the-line abilities that really make them stand out in areas that really are what make them special as players. And, so yeah. those should really start at being activated late in the game, right? I mean, if you've, at this point, is there are they like clutch or crunch time and the, the, these superstars will really be the guys you want to go to because of these? I mean, they should be better anyway because of just their standard passive abilities sure. that they have. Yeah. Because those are going to make them better. Then the X factors. Once you start really racking things up, that's when they really are are dangerous. Um, yes, we do have clutch as one of our abilities. Um, I believe what it does is it in certain situations it makes your X factor trigger condition less, so you can get into it faster. Gotcha. I think that's so that's the way we do it. Um, like for Russell Wilson, it's three scrambles of ten yards or more, mm-hmm. and then he gets blitz radar, which is a really cool ability. It's one of my favorites. Um, AJ Green, it's catch three passes of 20 or 30 plus yards in the air in a game. Right. And, and, and then, that's how you trigger it. And it's, it's scalable based across the game styles. So simulation and arcade versus competitive, they have different trigger right. conditions. So online games will make it a little bit more difficult to get in the zone. Simulation a little bit easier or vice versa, depending. It, it's a whole new meta game and it's a whole new way to play Madden. That's pretty cool. I look forward will to the opponent know the opponent will know which players have abilities they will know which players are on fire but they won't know all of the time what uh, when they're actively using the abilities uh, we added some some really cool UI elements that if a player is going to run a route that would trigger their ability that it gets highlighted in red on the field so you can see that your opponent cannot so that way, if like Julio Jones is running an out route, then you know that he's going to get better break on his route because he's highlighted. So it helps give some of those visual indications because some of the abilities are a little bit more complex and there's a lot of them. Um, and you can earn abilities as well throughout franchise. Anytime you go up in dev trait, you can do that. We no longer let you go down in dev trait. So you can really have guys keep going up and get those X factor abilities. And then they unlock those based on their overall tiers. Sounds like there's a lot of depth that's been added to Madden in this year, and I think everyone will appreciate the return of NBA Jam on fire rules for some of these superstars <laughs> in the NFL. Oh, it's so much fun. I have a, uh, a fantasy draft franchise right now that I'm running at my desk. I got Russell Wilson. I got AJ Green. I got Bobby Wagner. Um, those guys, Christian McCaffrey, they are taking over right now. Oh, that's it that's is. quite a team. Yes, just Listen those four guys. Fans. And I got CJ Uzama, AJ Green. I I got CJ Uzama too. He's been my favorite player to throw to, 
and that tight end spot with his 85 speed, he's been really good for me. Yeah, he's an athlete. That's a that's a that's another casual drop. You know, something I'm doing at work is I'm playing this unreleased video game, and I have this franchise going with all your right. all your favorite <laughs> players. Yeah. Well, Sounds make great. sure to check it out. It comes out worldwide on August second. It comes out, I believe, on EA Access on July twenty fifth. There you go. You're living some kind of life there, sir. Thanks for coming on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We appreciate you being here. For those of you that are still listening, remember to go check out the podcast on the Himalaya podcast app, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be there. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.